that song that they've been singing, Jaira, is, is pretty much, when they start singing that, that's pretty much where these messages has somewhat been birthed in my heart to minister to you. Um, making Jesus the Lord of all. I mean, it's just like he's more than enough. He's more than enough. And I want you to get that this morning. No matter what you're going through, he is more than enough. When Jesus is all that you have, Jesus will be all that you need, okay? Now, last week, I, I, I'm gonna, I, I don't want to bring a little confusion to you, but last week, I ministered a message called Fulfilling God's Purpose for Your Life. Fulfilling God's purpose or finding God's purpose for your life. And we looked at the life of Rahab. Remember that? And how that Rahab, God used her, and her purpose was to save two spies' lives so the children of Israel could go on into Jericho and take that land and occupy that land. But God used that in her. That was her purpose. And there's many other purposes. And your purpose is actually a target or a goal. It's like it's something that God wants you to do. Let's use that word. It's, it's, it's what God asking you to do is pretty much your purpose. But today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break it down even further, and we're going to talk about finding God's will for my life, because it's a little different. Your purpose is what you do. Your, your will, the will of God, is, is what you be. It, it, it's being. It's who you are. It's his overall uh, uh, will for your life. Another word for will is desire. That, that's a better word. It's God's desire for you. And so in other words, God's purpose for my life was to plant Elevation Church. That was his purpose and, and many other things along the way. But God's will for me is to serve him, is to love him. I'm his servant. That, that, that's his desire is that I love him. And so we're going to talk about that this morning. So the most important thing that any of us can ever do is make Jesus the Lord of our life. Know Jesus. That's the most important thing, right? And the second most important thing is knowing why God created you in the first place. Many people can't answer that question. As a matter of fact, there was a study done many years ago, and they brought all these believers in, and they asked them, if you could ask Jesus one question, that's all that you could ask him is one question, what would that question be? And every one of them, 100% of them, all said this. They said, I want to know why I was created, what your will is for my life. Why did you create me, God? So what is your will for me? How many of you can agree with that? I mean, some of you, you're probably sitting here, what really is God's will for my life? And I want to give you four things this morning that I really believe is going to help you understanding God's will for your life. Because trust me, it's been very confusing in my life. What is God's will? And so I'm going to show you four things that I really believe is going to help you. Again, you can get online, go to, uh, to Version Bible, pull up the notes if you're already there. Uh, say you're there. If you're not, you know, get out some pencils and paper. And please write this down because I promise you this can help you this morning. So let's talk about four things about God's will for my life. The first one is this, that we have to understand when we're relating to God's will for our life is that God loves you and always has a plan for you. He loves you 
and has a plan for you. Somebody ought to say amen right there. He has a plan for you. Now, let's go to our hallmark passage of scripture. Everyone knows this scripture. We have it hanging in our house somewhere. You all probably have it hanging in your house somewhere. You've probably seen it on postcards. You've seen it. This is a popular scripture. I read it last week talking about his purpose, but we're going to go to this scripture again this morning because I'm going to pull some things out here. Jeremiah 29 11. You all can quote this with your eyes closed, I'm sure. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Now, I love this scripture. One of my favorite scriptures. It's one of my life verse. I know I use it. My wife, we all use this scripture. But let me give you a little back end of this story, okay, or this scripture for you to understand. God was actually speaking this to the children of Israel when they were being taken into captivity. Now, what he was telling, this is the children of Israel. He kept telling them over and over and over, if you keep sinning, judgment's going to be brought onto you. If you do not stop sinning, something is going to happen. Judgment is going to be brought on you. And sure enough, they kept sinning. And you all want to know what happened to them? The Babylonians came in and took them into captivity. Now, here's the thing about this scripture. While the Babylonians was marching them out of the city, holding them into captivity. And by the way, they were going to bring them into captivity for 70 years. That's how long they was in captivity to the Babylonians. But as they were leaving town, God spoke these words to them. I still have a plan for you. I still have a purpose for you. Now, mind you, God did not cause this to happen to them. They brought this on themselves. And I want you to understand, we, a lot of times as believers, we bring things on us. When we sin, judgment we brought on us as well. God doesn't do that. We could trace it all the way back to the Adam and Eve. God created them, they're perfect. But they brought that on themselves when they sinned. But watch what he says here. I like what he says in King James Version in, in Jeremiah 29, 11. He says, thoughts of peace and not of evil. As they're leaving town, thoughts of peace, not, not of evil, to give you an expected end. Just because you're going into captivity does not change my plan for your life. And I like the way the Message Bible puts it. It says it this way, I have, a, have it all planned out. I've got everything planned out for you, plans to take care of you, not to abandon you, plans to give you the future you hope for. It hasn't changed, but you're going into captivity. There are some of you right now here, you are going through a very difficult time in your life, but I got news for you. God's plan for you has not changed. Please get that this morning. It has never changed and will never change. This is God's promises while they were being marched out of this city. And so here's very important what you need to understand. Your concept of God determines how you see God. Did you know that? What way that you view God, if you're going to trust him or not. So if you believe that God is a loving God, you're going to see God as a loving God, right? But if you believe that God is an evil God or a bad God, is there punishing you, you're going to view God as a bad God. And see, this was my problem in my life. I grew up thinking and had a misconception of who God was because of, of maybe some of the decisions that I made in my life. And a lot of times when we make bad decisions and, and, and we're judgments being brought on us, all of a sudden, we, the first thing we do is blame God. 
God did this. And there are some of you this morning that you might have a misconception of who God is. I got news for you. God has always had a wonderful plan for you. God always loved you. God never intended for you to go through the, the battles you're going through. It's called we live in a sinful world. And so he gives us a way out. So we need to know that God has a plan for us and he loves us. But, but here's the thing about God. But God is always loving and God is never, ever evil. That, that is who God is. And so, now, here's, here's, let's, let's keep rolling here. The, the, the reason why that we struggle with this is because the enemy distorts the image of God. That's, it, that's what his job is. And he, he, he does not stop. He always wants to distort your image of God. And he'll do it through your pain. He'll do it through your sin. He'll do it through your failures. He'll do it through uh, your rejection. And, and he'll be there. You ever heard of a horse whisperer before? You know, he, he's like the devil whisperer. He, he just whispers in your ear all the time that you're not good enough. And he, it's a door that he uses to, to tell you. And he tries to distort the image of God. Because if he could get you to believe that God is an evil God, a bad God, and God's doing this to you, that, then you're not going to trust God. And so he whispers to you, you're not good enough, you're a bad mother, you're a bad father, you're not a good wife, you're not a, on and on and on and on and on, you're a failure. And all these bad things happening to you, God's causing this to happen to you. God's doing this to you. If God really loved you, God wouldn't let you go through this. You ever heard that voice before? But this is what the enemy does. He whispers this nonsense in, in our ears. But here's the truth from God's word. is Jesus came to redeem us for us and for our sins, not to reject us. God is not there when we mess up or when we're going through all this tragedy that he is not there with a whip beating us over the head. He is there to lovingly nurture us out of that, to redeem us. As a matter of fact, it tells us in Isaiah 53 verses 5, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. No in, 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 in this anywhere can I see the word, or he was going to beat us for our uh, transgressions. He's going to whip us. He's going to make no. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Now, what we have to understand, God created Adam and Eve in the garden perfect in every way. Am I correct? He created them that way. And because he created them that way, that was his plan from the beginning for all mankind. That was his plan for all of us. But because sin came, sin entered in by one man, death was passed upon all men. Now, all of a sudden, now we live in a sin for But for 4,000 years, they were completely separated from God. Completely, until Jesus came and redeemed us. Now we've been redeemed. Now we have a Savior who brings us out of it, but, what, but we still have an enemy who keeps trying to throw us back into it. So, bottom line is this, is God from the beginning had a great plan for us and had a great purpose for us. And guess what the end story is? He's still, at the very end in Revelation, he still has a good plan and a purpose for us. It's never changed. Because I read the end. And we win. Amen. So here's the thing. When it comes to God's will for your life, you have to believe and understand that he loves you and he has a plan for you, always has a plan for you. So please get that one. So here's number two. 
as it relates to God's will for your life. God's will for your life was confirmed or created or maybe established, I could use many words there, in your mother's womb. I'm going to show you. This is a, it's a most favorite scripture of all times. I love this past scripture that I'm going to share with you because it has never changed. God confirmed and established and created your plan, a plan for you, specifically for you, while you were in your mother's womb. And you know one thing I'm learning about God? He doesn't have a plan A and a plan B. That was plan A. And if he decides he's going to change his mind, he will let you know. Because he can't change his mind because God is an immutable God. He's all-powerful. And God can never change. And God can't lie. I love the attributes of God because these are promises from God's word. And we either are going to believe them or not. But watch what he says here. It was established or, or your plan for, that God has for you was created and confirmed in your mother's womb. Psalms 139 verses 13 and 18. Now, this is the reason why we defend life in a mama. Right here. I'm going to show it to you. Because it has nothing to do with the two people. It has everything to do with God. Creating that baby in them, having a plan, having a purpose there. And how dare us to try to manipulate and try to do something about that? I'm telling you, that's, that's, watch. In Psalms 139, verse 13 and 18, for you formed, who's you? God, formed my inward parts, David was saying here. You covered me in my mother's womb. Not after I was born, but you covered me right there in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well my frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in the secret place, right there, in the secret, and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, your eyes, his eyes, saw my substance, being yet unformed. Let that sink in for just a moment. Y'all getting that? He saw us, our substance, that, that little embryo, whatever, right there, that was unformed. And in your book, they all were written. The day's fashion for me. Here he is. The plans. When as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts. He's thinking about us, thinking about you. Thoughts to me, oh God. How great is the sum of them. It's just not one thought. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. So, wow, what David is saying. David says, God, your thoughts are so much, I can't even count them. That's what you think about me, God. That's how awesome that you create you created me in your own image. Let, let me put it this way. God has thought out every detail of your life, church. Every detail. Before you were even born, he had a plan for you. He's got a purpose for you. <laughs> you know, we got to stop complaining about how God created us and who we are. And quit comparing ourselves with everyone else. 
Because listen to me, God does not make mistakes. When God created you in your mother's womb, he created you perfect and exactly the way that he wanted to create you. But we live in a world where people aren't happy and satisfied with the way that they are. They're never satisfied. But, you know, you got to get to the place where we can look at God and say, God, thank you for who you made me to be. And let me tell you something. Things will never be right between you and God until you finally get to the place where you thank him for who he created you to be. You'll always be wrestling. And this is why people are so, they, they, they're wrestling all the time, not, not liking who they are, not liking the way they look. And, and, and I understand we live in a world where, where, where it's shoved in our face. Hollywood is trying to, trying to do all, everything it can to make young ladies feel like that they're not good enough, they're not pretty enough, that they're not small enough, that they don't have the figure, blah, 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 blah. And men, if you don't have a six-pack walking around, you know, hey, I don't care. I got a two-liter and I'm happy for it. You know, hallelujah. <laughs> if you're a size 12 or 14 or 18, proud of it, baby. You put that dress on and you say, hallelujah, I'm you know, be happy with who you are. Now, if you can get healthier, whatever, do. I'm not saying be unhealthy, but I'm just saying get to the place where you know that God created you for who you are. And you know, when we look in the mirror, we don't like who we are. We really don't like God. That's what we're doing. We said, we don't like you, God, because we were created in his image. So again, things will never be right between you and God until you finally get to the place where you say, thank you, God, for who I am. Oh, man, it took me a long time to get there. It did. Because, you know, I'm going, you're growing up, you got all these things. I'm not tall enough. You know, I don't have all the muscles everybody else has got, you know, or, or I don't look, the, you know, I didn't got the, you know, I, you know, I didn't, I wasn't blessed like Dave McIntosh where he's just slender and tall. You know, on the basketball team, I know what the under his arms looks like more than his face when I was in high school. <laughs> Tina, I'm sorry. Because <laughs> he, he was always the tallest guy on the team. So, listen, I understand that. But you know what? I, I, as much as I love that, I don't care anymore. I really don't care. God created me to be who I am. I'm happy with who I am. You know why? Because God created me perfect in every way. He created me, and he created you perfect in every way. There's some of you who don't feel that. And you know why? And if you never feel that, you'll never be able to slide into God's will for your life. Because you'll always be sad. You're always trying to please everyone else. So number one, God loves you and always has a plan for your life. You getting that? Number two, God's will for you, for your life, was confirmed in your mother's womb. Right there. It was created right there. Okay? You're who you are because God created you the way you are. Here's the third one. When you're finding God's will for your life, your mistakes don't change God's will for your life. <laughs> this is a biggie. Just because you've blown it doesn't mean God's forsaken you. Does it, it doesn't change anything about God and his plan and his purpose for you. You ever met, you know someone, maybe a, a guy who's an awful, per okay, Rahab last week was an awful, awful person, a prostitute, but it did not change God's plan and purpose for her life, but because she finally believed God 
and she received God, God said, okay, now it's time that I'm going to let you step into your purpose. I need you, young lady, to take these two spies and put them in your house and protect them. This is your purpose. Why? Because she finally made God the Lord of her life. And, and we see this happening. Maybe a young man or young lady gets thrown into prison because of drugs or maybe harming someone or, or robbing something. And now they're in prison and they're sitting there going, God can never use me. Oh, yes, he can. His plan has never changed for you. It's still the same. All you got to do is surrender your life back to him. And that's why there's so many people in prison today that have turned their life over to God. And maybe they're in there for a lifetime and, and for a sentence, but it doesn't matter. God's there. And he says, I can use you while you're in here. And they're being used by God. Amen. So don't, your mistakes, don't change God's will for your life. Romans 11, verses 29. For the gifts and the calling of God are what? Irrevocable unchangeable. He's not going to be able to take it back and say, whoops, you're too bad of a person. I'm taking it all back. Won't happen because it can't. He's, it, again, he's, his attributes, he says if he did it, they're, they're not, he's not going to bring them back. He's not going to take them back. Have you ever wondered why that, that, that evil people in the world are really talented? Have you ever wondered why evil people, you ever saw someone don't even serve God? It's incredibly wealthy. And you go, why is God blessed? Well, you know what? They found their talent. They found their gift that God gave them. Yes. It's irrevocable. It's still there. Right. Whether they serve God or not, you know, maybe God's not going to bless it as much, but, but it's still there. I think some of the greatest messages have never been preached since in the grave today because they never surrendered their life to God. I believe some of the greatest songs have never been sung today. And they've been taken to the grave because they never surrendered their life to God. Amen. But, but, but it's, it's, it's irrevocable. And see, when you go through a battle, the devil's there, though, saying, the devil's sitting there saying, saying, saying you're, you're too bad, you're awful, you're not, you, God can never use you again. And boy, oh boy, I, I see so many people fall for that line. I can't tell you how many people, well, I need to clean my life up before I go to church. You ever heard that story? What that's, this is what church is for, for sinners. Okay, I got news for you. If you're perfect, you don't really belong here. Because the Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Don't make me turn to your neighbor real quick and tell you. Y'all probably wore that one out. You, I, you know, you're over it. We're all sinners. We're all sinners. But thanks be to God, his plan for all of us has never changed. And it can't change. Just because you've blown it, it's not going to change. Get back. The old righteous man falls seven times. He gets back up. Get back up. Just ask for forgiveness again and, and get back on that horse and begin to ride again. Jeremiah 29, 14 puts it this way. I will be found by you. Now he's talking to the children of Israel. Now they're in captivity because I'm going to set this up. They're in captivity and they're thinking God has abandoned them. God doesn't love them because they sinned and they put themselves in this captivity and in this bondage now. They're in slavery because of their own doing. And by the way, this is the problem in our life today, in our world today. People won't accept responsibility. If you mess up, confess it, I did it. Don't try to hide it. Don't try to brush it under the rug. Listen, because sin will find you out. And, and by the way, your sin will bring judgment on you. Don't, don't get all mad if you're doing like 100 miles an hour and you see flashing lights in your rear mirror. Don't try to get out of it. Don't try to look at the cops and say, well, your speedometer's wrong or your radar gun is off. No, you, you look at it and say, officer, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. 
because I, I was disobedient. I know the speed limit. I'm sorry, my foot's just a little heavy, but, you know. <laughs> but accept that responsibility. You know what? I got a ticket. I'm going to confess before you all. We was on vacation. We was actually gone to marriage retreat. Best marriage retreat we've ever been on. My wife and I, we're going through these towns. State, it was a state road. It was a highway. We're used to doing 70. And I'm used to doing 70 on a highway. And so now we're on a state road, like 31 and 56 here. And, and there's these like eight little towns. You got to go, 12 of them, a bunch of them. Boom, 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 boom. And uh, going up, we were going up to Monroe, Louisiana, come, going, coming from Texas. The only way we could get up there. And we come to this first little town, and I, was, I really saw this light, and I just slowed her way down. I got her down to 45 miles an hour. I thought, I'm, I'm good. And when there was a police officer, we passed. I just waved them, how you doing? They turned around, came out, and flights came on. Has that ever happened before? I'm like, what did I just do? I know I was doing uh, 45 miles. I never got a ticket doing 45 miles an hour. He, she pulls us over and said, it dropped down to 30. And she said, I'm sorry to tell you, it is a speed trap. I'm going to have to write you a ticket. I said, ma'am, you're doing a great job. Thank you for doing such a... Did I not? I said, thank you. Shook her hand, said, you keep it up. I said, I probably deserve two tickets. I said, is there any more speeds? And she said, since you're being so nice to me, I'm going to tell you, there's 12 other cities. Those police officers are waiting there too. And they're all sitting at the Dollar General store. Sure, were they? Every one of them were sitting at the Dollar General store. She just saved me a truckload of tickets. So I'm glad I paid the first ticket the first time and learned my lesson. I have no clue what I'm telling you. I just come clean. But what I'm saying is, is don't try, when you're, when you're, when you're sinner, when you mess up, confess it. Jesus said, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Amen. Just confess it. That's speaking truth. But when a person tries to lie their way out of it, okay, you'll, you'll just remain in bondage. You will, you'll stay there to be miserable. But, but I, I didn't even finish this up. Watch. But he says to them now, he's telling them, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. The children of Israel, they're in, they're in bondage, and I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. Did you all see that? Israel thought it was over. Israel thought they were stuck. Israel thought that God hated them and God was never going to be there for them. But God says, no, 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 no. I'm going to bring you back because I still have a plan for you. I still have a purpose for you. I haven't changed my mind and it never will change my mind because you are my people and I love you. It's just like my GPS on my phone. Y'all got one of those GPS on your phone. You just put in the map and you hit go and everywhere I go out of town, I hit go and it just tells me where to go. And there's a most wonderful lady I've ever met on my phone. She's the sweetest lady. And it's great. And I'm traveling to a place and I miss a turn. And she's not mean and hateful and rude. She just says, recalculating, <laughs> recalculating. At the, next, at the next turnaround, turn around and go back down south. I'm like, I like you. I'm like, man, you're nice. Thank you. But you know what? We think about that. God's the same way. 
You get off track a little bit. He just said, come on, I'm recalculating. And this is what he was doing for the children of Israel. Yes, you've blown it. Yes, you're in captivity. But I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to recalculate, and I'm going to get you back on the right track. There are some of you that you're going down the wrong path. He says, I'm going to recalculate and put you right back on the right path now. See, God can take our mess up and make it our greatest ministries if we let him. God can take our greatest pains that you're in, and he can make it your greatest purpose if you let him. He can turn it all around. Your sorrows turns them into strength. God is so good. God is wonderful. So, number one, Pastor David, I'm going to be wrapping it up. This is a quick one this morning. God loves you and always, always, always has a plan for you. So don't let the enemy tell you anything different. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how bad it is. There's some of you, you're addicted to something. Okay, we all are. I was addicted to Oreo cookies and God fine. And then Ada brings me an Oreo cookie thing today. Thank you. No, I love it. I do. I love it. We got like a little Oreo display at our house. We're going to like create that thing. I love it. Thank you. But we all, Mountain Dew, you, it doesn't matter what it is. Food, whatever. But the enemy is there to make you feel like a failure. But God said, I'm going to bring you back. I will bring you, God loves you and always has a plan for your life. That plan was, it was established in your mother's womb. God will for your life was confirmed and established and, and was created in your mother's womb. Amen. Do you believe that? Amen. I hope you're getting it. If you walk out of here and you do not understand how much God loves you, I don't know what else to tell you. Right. Number three, your mistakes don't change God's purpose for your life. Oh, that's a good one. Wow, I feel so much better after that. Just get it right, and I'm going to reestablish you. I'm going to bring you back to where you belong. I'm going to bring you back to where you belong. And here's the fourth and final one. Are you ready? You will see God's will in your life when you surrender it to him. Did you hear me say last week, and I, I, I think it's important. I think it's kind of like the phrase for the month. God always gives me a phrase for the month, but this must be it. Don't just give God your heart. That's where many people stop. They give him his, your, your heart, but give him your life. That's why Paul said, I pick up my cross daily. What he's saying is I'm giving my entire life to God. When's the last time that you've laid it all out and said, God, I'm giving you everything? Just maybe that could be the difference between you really understanding and operating and, and walking in the will of the God, will of the Lord, and, and not. God says there's still something else you got to give me. Do you think it was fun for us? We were happy with where we were at. You think it was easy for us when God just woke us up in the middle of the night and said, I I'm gonna ca I'm calling you. Right after I just, my last treatment for cancer, just six months after that, he says, I want you to leave everything and I want you to go plant a church. And my doctors are saying, hey, remember, they, they were saying, Gary, if you leave your insurance and this thing comes back, it could cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars in cancer care out of your pocket. Don't walk away from your health coverage. Don't walk away from your career. And I said, well, listen to me, Doc. I, I appreciate the confidence there. But God says, I'm supposed to go. And I said, you gave me a last treatment. And you said, I'm clean. 
And I promised God, I said, God, if you get me through this, you've got my attention. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll give up whatever you want me to give up, God. I will give my life to you. And when I walked in and he said, I can't find the cancer anymore. It's gone. I said, it's all I needed. God, you did your part. Now I'll do my part. He said, it's time for you to go and plant a church in Scottsburg, Indiana. Now you're ready, young man. Now you're ready. Amen. And there's some of you, and, and people say, these young pastors sometimes they say, Pastor Gary, I'd give anything to have a church like Elevation Church. What can I do to have a church like that? Well, I said, the difference between you and me is I did give anything. I gave everything. And it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. But when you hear God's voice and you step into the will of God, and I just don't give him my heart. It's easy to give him your heart. But when he says, I want you to give me your life. And by the way, when you give me your life, everything I have goes with me. Everything goes with it. But you'll see God's will in your life when you surrender it to him. Jeremiah 29 and 13, he said this to the children of Israel. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. There's your heart. And I said, okay, God, let me see something about the, the, the whole life now. Let's go to the next one here. Proverbs 16, verses 3. The first one was the heart. When you seek after him with all of your heart, he'll answer, but commit your works, your life, your life to the Lord, and your thoughts will be established. You'll start to feel the presence of God. You'll start to know the will of God. You'll automatically begin to, your thoughts will be established for the first time. Saying, I know what God's will is for my life. I feel it. Amen. And I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew what God's will was for my life. We finally surrendered. There's some of you here, you've done that. Some of you here, maybe you've not done that yet. But give him your life and just see what it is. You know, God's will for all of us is that none should perish, but all should go to heaven. Quit, don't make it such a big deal. And God wants to use you. You see, you don't have to be a preacher like me. You could be walking through Walmart and God could use you to minister to someone who's hurting. That's the purpose of God. That, that, that's the operating in the will of God for your life. Is that you're opening your mouth and you're telling others and you're giving them hope. You're given a reason to live. Amen. What God was really saying was, when you get serious about me, I'll get serious about you. When you do your part, I'll do my part. See, God wants you to include him in your life. In your entire life. God wants you to include him in your life. Just don't give him your heart. Give him your entire life. Give him everything. And one thing I'm learning about God's will and my will, because see, my will gets in the way. God's will is so much better than my will. And when I finally surrender to God, because my will is selfish. My will is what I want. My will is about me. That's my will. But God, I don't, no longer my will. You see, Jesus, when he was in the Garden of Eden, or, or the Garden, before he was getting ready to be crucified, when he was in that Garden, he's praying and crying out to his Father. And the very next day, he was going to be crucified on that cross. He said, Father! I can't take this because at that moment, all of the sorrow, all the pain, all the sins of the world that ever was and that will ever be, and the sins that was happening at that moment was being placed on him at Calvary. He said, it's too much for me to bear, God. Too much for me to bear, God. Please, if you can't take this cup away from me. 
But then he stopped and he said, but not my will, but your will be done. And you see, I think this morning, that's really what God is saying to all of us. It's time that we change it from our will, God, to your will. And I know it's scary. You don't ever have to be scared of a loving God. He's never going to have you do something that's going to scare you half to death. Well, maybe a little bit. I don't know. But here's the one thing about God. He always gives you exactly what you need when you need it. It was scary. But look, there's nothing to be scared about. We're having church this morning. Everything's bought and paid for too. I think it worked out. See, but in the, it could be, but listen, but when you're in the will of the Lord and your thoughts will be established and you know you're in the will of the Lord, you can just trust him. You don't have to worry about it. Say, God, you're the one who told me this. God, it's not my problem. It's your problem. God, God, you told me to go. See, that's the same thing with Rahab. God, you just said, open up my home now. God, I'm risking my life for these two, to, for these two spies. God, you better come on the scene. He said, no, you're in my will, young lady. Don't worry about it. I'm going to protect you and not on that, but I'm going to save your life. Not only am I going to save your life, but I'm going to use your life and your genealogy. I'm going to let you bring the son of the living God, Jesus Christ, the king of kings, into this world yourself, amen, as his great, 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 great grandmother. See, that's what happens when you get in the will of the Lord. That's what happens when you obey God. That's what happens whenever you find the plan and purpose of God for your life. Not only do you bless your life, but you bless your children and their children, their children, their children, their children. In Jeremiah 29 and 11, let's read it again. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. And he loves you. These plans haven't changed. Some of you think they've changed. They've not changed. Some of you have not found them. But he has plans for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. God loves you. God loves you and always has a plan for you, church. Number two, God's will for your life. It was established and created in your mother's womb. And God made you perfect in every way, exactly who you're supposed to be. Go to the mirror today and look and say, thank you, Jesus, for who I am. If you're a teenager, you got a big zit right there, still say it. God, thank you for who you created me to be. Because it'll go away. It, it won't be long. We're not in here right there. But it'll go away. I'll promise. It, it'll finally go away. That stuff goes. It comes and goes. I don't know. Some of you still, still have. I don't know. But go to the mirror and say, God, thank you. For who I am. Be liberated today. Do it. I challenge you. On the way home, pull down your river. Thank you, God, for who I am. Because nothing will ever be right between you and God until you begin to thank him for who you are. Your mistakes doesn't change God's plan and purpose for your life. And number three, you will see God's will. You will see his will in your life when you surrender it all to him. Just surrender to him. Say, here I am. You see, when I stand in this pulpit, you'll hear me pray, God, it's not my will, God. I'm your servant. Take me for who I am, God. I'm yours. I'm your vessel. Use me however you want me to be used, God. And I've always shared that prayer because I don't have enough. I'm not talented enough to do this. I'm not lying. I'm not. When I walk out of this pulpit, you start talking about mess. I will probably forget. I don't know because I'm so unqualified. Rahab was unqualified. Moses was unqualified. But I'm so thankful God uses messed up people. 
that surrenders their life to him and says, man, I can finally use you, man. I'm going to use you. And God wants to use all of us, and he has a plan. He has a purpose for you. And I want you to leave here today knowing that, and it hasn't changed. And if you've messed up, it hasn't changed. Just let him say to you, recalculating. Let him get you right back on the right track. You just took a U-turn, okay? We've all done it. But no, his plan and his purpose for your life has been established. And it's never changed. And go after it this morning. Father, I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you that for the truth of your word. I want to thank you that, God, that, that you were able to bring the children of Israel back to the original plan and the purpose that you had for them, God. You were trying to encourage them the whole time. And I believe that, God, that you are and have been whispering that in many ears this morning, that they've been maybe going down a path, and, God, they don't understand it, and you're whispering in their ears, saying, I want to bring you back. I want to bring you back to the place, to, to, the, to your true purpose, to the plans that I've had for you from the very beginning of time, from the very beginning in your mother's womb. I want to bring you back. And right now you're hearing that voice, and I pray, Father, that whoever that it is, that God, that they will say, God, here I am. Use me, God. I surrender. I give you my life, God. In Jesus' name, amen.